0: This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music.
1: Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Brian Zack. Brian is an in-demand session and touring drummer based in Nashville, Tennessee. Brian leads a tribute to Miles Davis called Milestones, which plays monthly at Rudy's Jazz Room here in Nashville. He has toured, performed, recorded with multiple acts based out of Music City hotspots like New York City, Las Vegas, and Nashville, Tennessee. Brian's experience in a variety of musical scenarios allows him to adapt to any situation. Whether it's a straight-up jazz gig, a pop band, country, a tribute act, or a session recording instrumental funk, Brian's got the skills and the vocabulary to handle the gig. This episode is sponsored by Shure Microphones. Shure and Focusrite have combined forces, and they are bringing you the Drummer Bundle track pack for $899, normally $974. You save $75 with this sale. It comes with a Focusrite Scarlett 18i20 USB audio interface. This is the same interface that my co-host Zach Alveta has, and he's got some great sounds from it. He also has the drum microphone kit, the DMK5752 drum microphone kit that we offered before Christmas. This has three SM57s and a Beta 52 kick drum microphone industry standards, all with mounting brackets and four XLR cables and a carrying case. So check this out, the Drummer Bundle track pack from Shore for $8.99. One of our newer sponsors of the podcast is AirGigs. We recently had a great conversation with founder David Blacker on how to best utilize that platform. We broke that conversation up into seven key components, and you can have access to all seven of those segments at once on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash working drummer. And for as little as a dollar per month, you could become a patron of the podcast and have access to all that valuable Air Gigs information, as well as the other educational and professional development content provided by our former guests. In this episode, we'd like to provide segment five of our conversation with David Blacker, and it's about what to write in your profile, what your potential clients need to know. So here's segment five with our conversation with founder David Blacker.
2: We've covered the picture aspect, we've covered the audio aspect, um, and and the other piece of a profile is what's written on it. So uh, what are what are some of the kind of dos and don'ts you can recommend as far as what you write on your profile?
3: Yeah, well, definitely it should be per. It, it's like I've find that the ones that are sound like they're talking to someone, you know, um, hi, you know, thanks for, you know, stopping by. Those are very effective, you know, um, because they're, they're addressing someone directly, certainly not talking about yourself in the third person or copying, pasting a bio, you know, about (laughs) you that that, that's not really, you know, engaging for people. So you want to be engaging credits there. So there are a certain amount of, you know, things that people are looking for, right? Like, so reviews on the site are essentially, what are they? They're, they're like proof, right? Social proof that this person's really good, you know? But if you don't have those yet, then, you know, maybe you can bring some credits to the table or some education to the table or where you studied or or some experiences that pop out to people and and, and substitute for the maybe not having that many reviews as yet. So, I would say that's a, an important component. So, being personable, you know, being approachable, uh, having some social proof or some, you know, credibility that you can weave in there and some, and then some passion, you know, like what, like what, how, like songwriters, they're, you know, the music creators, they're passionate. They're coming w- with a vision of something they're trying to bring out of the ethos into reality. And, they want to connect with people who are, you know, passionate about stuff too. So that, you know, and that's, I don't know how to, <laughs> you know, box that up for anyone. It's just sort of like, you know, that could be just how you communicate. It could just be an authentic communication, you know, that kind of thing. But um,
2: It's it's a great point because I, I think, you know, a lot of um, drummers especially are inclined to um, – like you said kind of list their credits list their gear make it make it sort of um technical about you know what they have to offer but uh, it's it's so good that you mentioned it's it, we have to keep in mind like who is hiring us right it's it's singers it's songwriters it's producers it's it's creative people and if all you're talking about is uh you know kind of your gear and your room and whatever and not talking about like what makes you tick? What, what does your machine run on? What do you come to air gigs to do? IE, like, I want to collaborate with people. I want to make great songs. I want to provide drums for cool projects. And, and, you know, if you bring that kind of excitement about, um, the, the creative process and the music making process, I think that goes a long way.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you said the word process, you know, that that's important too, to include in there is like, What is the process? Because that answers questions that clients might have in their head before. I mean, it doesn't have to be exhaustive, you know, but, you know, you could talk about, you know, what's your, what's your micing setup, you know, how many mics you you typically record with or what might, you know, doesn't have to be exhaustive because it'll go over certain clients' heads and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting for others. So you want to find that middle ground, but you know how how it is to work with you, you know and, and that sort of thing. So what is the process? I think that's that's you know that's important too and and a little trial mm-hmm. and error you know to to tease that out is par for the course, you know.
2: Right and I think you know just some, some way of uh, you know recognizing that it that it is a process and it's not merely transactional you know even even if the process is only a, a day or two long like there is some back and forth there's some communication there's some collaboration it's it's not just like you put a quarter in the machine and you get a candy bar it's <laughs> exactly uh, you know it's a, it's a it's a short partnership
1: To find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes we've done, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and iTunes, where you can rate and review this podcast. We want to give a big shout out to all the people that participated in our giveaway contest for our 300th episode, including our three winners, Mike Malone, Ryan Greenblatt, and Joe Tomino. And thanks to all those that liked and shared and reposted that episode, we appreciate everyone's support and all the companies that were involved in that giveaway. We're hoping to do more in the future. So, Brian's one of those guys that doesn't let the grass grow under him. Uh, it wasn't very long after he moved to Nashville that I became familiar with him and the work that he was doing in the town where I live. Uh, he's always finding new ways to expand his community, and as you'll hear in our talk, give back to the community. He started a Patreon page that you can go to. There'll be a link in the show notes where he shares everything from practice pad warm-ups, studio techniques and, and gig hacks. It's really tailored for the, the quote "working drummer. Uh, I hope you dig my conversation with Brian Zach.
0: been aware of of patreon and what it is for a few years now i think just through listening to different podcasts and you know seeing other musicians who have started a page and they'll make a little you know announcement of it or just casually mention it um and at first i was like okay it's just another like kind of platform and you know where you can try and create content and and maybe make some extra money. Um but um so there's a co- combination of things here. I mean, obviously the covid shut down. So we're all looking for new ways to, to make money, even if it's just like a couple dollars here and there, you know, like a little just a little bit can go a long way, right. you know, in terms of gas money and grocery money, you know, I have a family and I'm trying to you know, just keep things, keep ends met, you know, keep the lights on and all that. And not that, not that we're like broke or nothing, but just, you know, every little bit helps. And so I'm always on the lookout for new ways that I can make money and, and diversify my income because, you know, you put all your eggs in one basket and then, you know, that disappears and now you're, now you're stuck, you know, you got nothing. Right. And so you know, you can play live, you can play sessions, you can teach, you know, you can be a YouTube star. (laughs) I mean, you know, um, but so Patreon, I just kind of discovered is like, oh, this could be a viable source of income if I get kind of serious about it. And so I figured this year I'm going to start doing that. Um, now that kind of coincides with the fact that I just re did a huge remodel of my home studio yep i kind of upgraded everything in the room and i mean i i you know uh i spent a lot of money on this and it sounds and looks great it's a wonderful space to be in and and comfortable and i don't ever want (laughs) to (laughs) leave but um but 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 it. coincides with this new room and it's like you know i can make these videos that that look really great and it it looks like a bona fide studio and not like i'm in my bedroom you know what i mean which is fine if somebody's in their bedroom making videos that's that's totally cool um because in the end you know the content is king but um but every little bit helps and so i've got this new room and i thought you know i want to i want to up my game i want to create more content more often and so I started with this Patreon page. I started kind of like challenging myself: can I post some content of, of any kind, really, to the Patreon page once a day, every day? Post something, mm. you know. And I don't know how lo- I don't know how long I'm going to keep that going, but I've been keeping it going since I started it. For the most part, there was there was a one or two days where I took off, but um, and what I found is that. Uh, Number one, I'm really enjoying this challenge because it's got me thinking all the time about everything that I'm doing. Whether it's you know a live gig, or I'm preparing a show for this, or you know a session for that, and like you know, or or just you know, if I have nothing going on that really seems interesting enough to share, then I can just sit down in front of the drums and do a, a quick drum lesson on this or that. You know, take a subject. I mean, I've got a I've got a whole list of things. Of subjects that i that i made on my phone um and sort of categorize them into like like drum set and pad work and like life skills like career stuff and like it's just anything that has to do with my day-to-day life in music you know and like you said yeah i mean like i made a video of like how to import charts like pdf charts into fourscore on my ipad yeah and then how do i how do i create a metronome um, you know to use with that chart yep you know so that i can run a click and you know um because i'm surprised sometimes that comes up as a subject you know if you're talking to a drummer buddy or you know we used to go to the drummer lunches and stuff and i would mention that and people would look at me like wait what how do you do that and I'd be like, wow, like I've been doing this for like a lot of years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, some people just aren't aware of it and that's fine. Right. And, but I mean, it's really helped me with, you know, playing, playing shows and gigs where maybe I don't know the music that well. Um, But if I can make a quick number chart instead of a metronome and, and, you know, and, and notate enough on the chart that, I can play with confidence, even though I I have no idea what the song is. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I've done that. I've done I've done entire shows like that, where it's like there's like fifteen songs, and I'm like I had to like I wrote all number charts for the entire show, and because they're all because they're all original songs, I didn't know a single one of the songs, and I you know I just did enough homework on the chart that I could just easily count it off off with confidence and no one would know that i have no idea how that song goes nobody knows not even the artist
1: and that is pretty amazing that's an important skill that's, because yeah when you come in as a sub or come in to make a first impression yep. it's not a cockiness it's it's a comfort zone that you're create. you're creating this oh Thing. I mean,
0: I'm doing it as much for me as anybody else. Like, I don't want to be the one up there going, wait, how does this one go?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: that's just the worst feeling. If you're a drummer and, like, they look, they're look, they looking at you to count it off and you're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And that's just yeah. not a feeling I ever want to have.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing about the four score, and I did see that video. That was great. But the nice thing about four score is not only do you have that metronome, but you also have that pulse visual thing. And I've,
0: I just used it last week on two shows i played yeah exactly it's 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 a game changer it really yeah really is um as well as i mean you mentioned like you're working with somebody and let's say they have 300 songs and they don't have a set list per se so they're just calling songs one after the next and if you have paper charts you're (laughs) gonna have 300 paper charts up there and (laughs) you know you're going to take 10 minutes to find the next chart i mean right. you know that's if it doesn't blow off and blow off the music stand from the wind or you know or whatever oh, yeah. and so the ability to alphabetize all of the the songs that you put in your list first of all yeah you know and then and then you have the ability to create custom set list yep just in whatever order that you want so it's it's really handy
1: with everything, social media and personalities uh, sticking out and the loudest voice in the room getting the attention. Mm, For those of us who consider ourselves more introverts, um, sometimes it's difficult to know where we fit in this environment when we're just trying to diversify our income. We're trying to share knowledge. We're trying to build community. We're trying to do all the things that you need to do in the 21st century to stay busy yeah. as a musician. Like you yeah, say, it can
0: be such a, it can, man, it can be such a distraction though, if you let it be, because yeah, you can be on a session and you know, but like, don't you want to be like a hundred percent, like your head in the game with like performance and developing a part and, you know, um, just the camaraderie with the others that yeah. you're maybe, you know, let's say you're, let's say you're on a real session in a real studio with other people. I know, God forbid, but, um, <laughs> you know, you want to be, you, I mean, you want to be present. Right. but at the same time, it's like, there's, you know, you have this thing on your shoulder going, gnawing at you going like, like, Hey man, you got to post, you know, pictures and video and mm. show people what you're doing because you know, there's that saying, it's like, well, if you don't have pictures, then it even happen? You know, and that it sort of is kind of like that.
1: I know with I Instagram
0: know. and Facebook. You know, it's like if you didn't grab at least one snapshot, no one will know that you were on that session or on that gig. Yeah. You know? And it's it's a weird thing, man. Yeah, I, it a is a
1: weird thing, you know, and it's I, f-
0: I I mean, I'm old enough to remember how it was it wasn't like that, you know, mm-hmm. when I was I was, you know, twenty something, and none of this stuff existed. Yeah, you know, you just didn't, didn't even think like that.
1: It is, it is overwhelming, and it, and it does seem it it's very frustrating to th- to think that if it di- if you don't post it, it didn't happen. And then on the other side <laughs> of the crazy. coin, I I like last year when I started posting a few more things from my home studio, uh, mm-hmm. some work. From people I hadn't heard from before or in a long time popped up and said, "Man, I love your videos. Hey, would you be able to do this song or that song?" And the so, same
0: thing has happened to me. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah it's it's weird. Well, what and the, so
0: it, it's like, wow, maybe there is something to this. I mean, I, know. I should do this more often.
1: <laughs> but if, but I think if you do it from if you come from a natural place, so like you like you're doing videos, you're talking, like you're really showing yourself. And showing your personality, uh-huh. and man, it, it comes off as really genuine and honest. And i I think that that's what people will gravitate towards. And they're like, "I like this guy." Yeah. You know, he sounds great, but also I, he, he seems like he really cares about what he's doing. And um, I think he'll take good care of this song that I wrote, my baby. Mm. So um, I, I think those are good things to keep in mind. Tell me about your new studio, man. It looks amazing.
0: Thank you. Um, it it's yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. Um, you know, the first intention was, I mean, it, so it's like a, it's in my home, right? It's a, it's a, it's a extra room that's above the garage. Okay. So people, when people ask me the size of it, I I can never remember square footage, but I can tell you, it's about the size of a two car garage. Nice. Okay, which is quite large, you know, compared to some people, um, and certainly big enough to do what I'm, I'm doing. And mm-hmm. Um so prior to, to the remodel, I mean, it was a it had carpet. It was a, one of these A-frame style ceilings with the drywall and the popcorn ceiling, <laughs> and um, you know, it's got a separate entrance, which is nice that that enters from the garage. So if I do have people over or a lesson or something, they don't have to enter in through the living room <laughs> and see my wife and like, you know, my whole house and, like you know, I mean, uh, so that's nice. Although I don't have a bathroom in here. I see. But, um, you, you know, but it's, it's private enough that it's separate from the house, which is nice.
1: Just need um, like a change now when everybody's you know, home, just a real traditional <laughs> right.
0: vibe. We have a just chamber. open the window and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> um, so as far as like the remodel goes, um, initially I was thinking, oh, I'm just gonna like get rid of the carpet and put down hardwood floor because that will certainly you know liven up the room from what it was and um, just give it a nicer feel. But um, I forget what month it was, but um, I was made, I was, I was, I was, I became aware of of. This thing called an SBA loan, small business, mm-hmm. something or other loan that they were offering because of the COVID, you know, and somebody said, yeah, like it's like a really good deal. And like the interest rate is like super low. And I thought, well, I'll, I guess I'll check it out. I did. I checked it out and I qualified for the maximum amount without having to, um, you know, provide collateral. It shocked me. I was like, whoa, wow. all right, this like there's a lot of money here i could work with i could do a whole lot with this not just the floor you know because um, i had some money saved up um but not like this and so i ended up taking the loan and um just felt like you know i after thinking about it for a little while i was like you know this is like an investment in myself and Just thinking about how, you know, home studio content, whether it's recording a song for an artist or an album or just doing videos online for social media and YouTube and stuff, all of that, none none of that's going away. And in fact, it's all being accelerated, especially because of COVID, because everybody's home doing it now because nobody has any outlet lay. But, um, you know, I, 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 I really believe that it's just going to keep going like this. You yeah, know, it already was right. happening. The home studio thing, you know, all the big studios are closing or have closed already, you know, here in Nashville, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, and it's just, it's just more and more common that people have home studios now. And so being a drummer, the room is such a big part of your sound. You know, it'd be different if I play a bass or like guitar or like, you know, oh some gosh, other yeah. trumpet or something, you know, like, you know where you could just set up a little closet or something and just you know you don't need all this air in the room to to get a good sound you know but with drums you kind of do yeah yeah i mean you don't have to but you know i've heard good recordings that are made in like a closet or like a small studio booth or whatever but like you know if you want you know if you want a large. Your drum sound with reverb and that kind of, you know, you have to add add it, you know, after the fact. You can't just set up a mic and like, I've got this stairwell and I can just set up a mic and get like a nice big room sound, you know, compress the hell out of it. So it's not artificial.
1: And, And I think you're right. Like, even if everything went back to normal tomorrow... Uh, so many of us have invested already in the interface in in, in learning the Daw mm-hmm. and found, uh, you know, that's people to People to work. That's where with. I was. It's not. It's not going away. It's not going away. Uh, So was there anything you did moving forward from your old space to the new space? So like, OK, I've got to do this for sound.
0: OK, yeah, that's a great question. and Definitely something I wanted to talk about because, um, yeah, when I was when I was sort of thinking about like, well, how do I want to treat the, the room acoustically so that you know, it works to my advantage. I know I'm no audio scientist guy. (laughs) Like I, you know, I, you know, it's, there is a science to it for sure, but also, you know, you just got to kind of use your ears. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up, uh, I've been watching a lot of like videos from Carter McLean. I hope I'm saying his name right. Carter McLean. Yeah. And I noticed that he had done a, about a year ago, he had done a, uh, a studio rebuild and um he had this treatment on his walls and of course his videos might sound he might be have the best drum sound on the internet.
1: It's amazing <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I know the video it's definitely too. up there. It it looks amazing and it sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> it, it, exactly. It, right, right. And yeah. and the looks is is part of it because it's YouTube after all and people want to see a cool looking video after all. Um, so Yeah, I was so I kind of did some homework and and so found out that he he used this company called Audimute to treat his walls and um, so I, I I I did a search for that company and came across their Facebook page and just one morning I reached out to the owner. This I think he's the CEO, the owner. His name is Mitch Zlotnick and. Just wrote to him and told him, hey, man, I'm doing this studio remodel. And, you know, I I watch these videos of Carter and um, Carter has this video of of the studio remodel and you can actually see Mitch helping him apply Mm -hmm. the the treatment to the wall. And so, um, you know, I just kind of inquired and said, you know, I'm interested. I don't have a lot of money to work with, but, um, you know, maybe you can help me out and he called me right back like the moment i hit send it was like 5 minutes later and the phone <laughs> rings and it's him
1: yeah
0: and i was like oh my gosh like i was shocked you know um, and he, he was so enthusiastic about me you know doing the room and you know, all these designs and he's got all these prototypes he's working on and he's constantly working on new stuff and he we, we did a big face, we did a facetime video um, and he was like, he, t- he basically like gave me the tour of his facility, which I think is in Cleveland or somewhere in Ohio. Um, and it was just like, oh my gosh, like this guy is like got a real passion for this. Um, and so I ended up going with, with him, with Audimute That's and, awesome. you know, he helped me decide what to get and, uh, you know, uh, with my wife helping me decide the color palette and cause She's got a great eye for design. She's she went to school for architecture, um, you know, so she's she's got a a really a great. um, Just a creative mind for, you know, the way things look and how it should be decorated and Mm -hmm. things like that. So. um, So, yeah, um, that's what we ended up going with for for, let's see, one, two, like sort of two and a half walls of the room Um, and then I have this ISO booth that's in the studio also. So originally I had, there were these two closets that were built into the room that I'm in. I would just use them for storage and just to have, you know, snare drums just kind of thrown on the shelf and stuff in there. So when I was remodeling the room, I decided, okay, I want to destroy one of the closets and open up the room more to give more space Mm -hmm. and, but just keep, keep the one closet and create an ISO booth out of it. so I can do overdubs, I can do vocals. I can you know you can throw an amp in there if I'm doing like a, a group thing. So it's um, so that room is also treated with audio mute, the whole the whole room to really deaden it down. Um, you know, I, I never finished telling you about the studio. I, I, so like uh, um, so with the drywall ceilings, we knocked out all the drywall and exposed the the rafters and the 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 uh the beams that go across in the middle which also gave me more air in the room because it probably goes up maybe about two and a half feet extra nice than it used to or so yeah Yeah, you know again you know room like that for a drum for a drum kit is like that's awesome you know and certainly it, it just gives the room a much larger feeling when you're just You know, when you're just in the room, you just, the ceiling is, isn't as low, it's higher. And it just feels more, um, and then, so I mentioned the ice, the booth, and then uh, the stairwell was just like this big, huge, empty open space. And I knew I'd be losing a lot of storage by losing that one closet. Um, and so I had the idea of building this loft over the stairwell where cool. i can stack up all my drum my all the extra drum kits that i have i have five drum kits which i guess isn't that many but i mean it's enough <laughs> it's <laughs> you know enough, right it's yeah i mean you know oh and it's it's enough that it's like you need a place for them, you know and yeah. so with this loft they're they're kind of out of the way but they're sort of still on display in a way like i've got my conga drums and you know just various things that i you know might have a use for um up there and it's i i don't know i i love it that's i think it's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah and it, you know and it, it got my drums out of the garage you know the extra drums that you know because i used to just keep them in cases stacked up in the garage and i always worried about them right in there you yeah. know but now yeah, they're in the house tough. and i can i can show them off and you know, and if I'm on a session or whatever, I can just grab whatever I need. It's right there. It's really convenient.
1: And what about sound so, isolation? I mean, did you did you consider anything like that? Or do you have neighbors a little?
0: I mean, by? it was never my I do. And I mean, funny enough, you mentioned the neighbor. So the neighbor is a general contractor and he's the guy that did most of the work. Uh, that was my other question is how so, much
1: did you do of your on your own? And how much? did? You
0: yeah, I am not. A, I'm not a handyman type of guy at all <laughs> i don't do power tools um i, I wish i had those skills uh-huh. i i mean because because it's so useful if you have skills like that it's like
1: but i'm going to tell you brian I bow
0: down to you because that's, no, a, that's a wonderful no. thing
1: i'm going to tell you right now i i have acquired those skills over the years and you're better off yeah. without them uh because you think i mean i <laughs> think the as a drummer as someone that needs you, your hands, I you can, mean
0: you can really hurt yourself. You
1: can really yes. hurt, you. and yes. I'm I'm you know I did some extra work. I for my good friend, I helped build a deck. This I won't go into it, but basically, okay, I've hurt myself this year, and I'm dealing with it right now. Mm, and so it's yeah. that
0: stinks, man. Yeah, yeah I mean it's like stinks. it's it's great to be. To be handy and to do things yourself and save money and, and all that is a great thing, but not at the expense of no. like you're playing, you know. No,
1: and 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 I'm stubborn on top of that, uh, so that makes it even worse. Uh, so if I feel pain, I'm oh, in. I keep going.
0: Oh, you you just keep going, right?
1: And right. I'm in the middle of of remodeling my studio space. I have a small room that I use that I've used a lot, but I'm expanding into a mm-hmm. bigger room. And I'm, I'm putting up. I mean, I rented a drywall lift and put drywall on the ceiling, uh, last week. And, uh, I'm like, gosh, I am an idiot, but, um, trying to, (laughs) and it's, it's a challenge because with, 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 I've got, um, I've got two sons, one's at, in college and one's at home doing homeschooling and my wife's working from home most of the time. And so Mm -hmm. to do more sound isolation as I'm doing more tracking from home. Just I needed to step up my game sonically, but also that. So yeah. that's for another time. Well, but anyways and so yeah.
0: No, but to, to answer your question, as far as like isolating the sound overall from the rest of the house and the neighbors, um, I, it wasn't a huge concern of mine. Um, I did ask my wife and my son, who's nine years old, and um, and my neighbor. I said I asked, like, is it a problem? Yeah. you know is do, do you mind hearing me play because i'm i was pretty sure that they i mean certainly my wife you know the whole house is probably rattling <laughs> but but she you know their answer was like no it, it doesn't bother us at all you know and mm-hmm. i was like okay are you sure <laughs> yeah. um because it's it's something that i'm you know i'm hyper aware of it you know it, the last thing I want to do is bother somebody with my playing, you know? And so I do make a rule about, about that. Like I don't play past 6 PM. Okay. Generally, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like a daytime thing only. Uh, I don't do nighttime sessions. You know, I'll sure I'll do like overdubs, percussion, different things like that. But mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to be like full on playing drum kit past 6 yeah, um, that's
1: cool, man. And that's that's really nice because, I, you know, people say, oh, we, you know, we don't make noise past nine or ten at night. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to like really confine yourself and say at kind of the nine to five checkoff time, you know, where, where people are coming home from yeah. work. They're sitting down. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, respecting uh, uh, a time at night when people are getting ready to go to bed, you know, "quote unquote" normal right. people with normal jobs, right? Right. But actually, right. when they're coming home from work and want maybe to have a that's quiet it. dinner or watch TV,
0: that's that's yes. nice. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's a thing where it's like I, I just don't want to push my luck any further than I need to, you know. So <laughs> daytime, sure, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, certainly that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but the the neighbor. Na- that lives on the studio side. He's the guy that built the room and, and he's he's had no issue with it, you know, and um in fact, I mean sometimes I've had neighbors tell me that they they like to listen to it, which is <laughs> the most bizarre thing ever. I I can't even I have no idea where that's coming from, but okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they'll sometimes they'll be like, "Yeah, we missed you last week." <laughs>
1: Nice. Like what? <laughs> and and what what changes have you noticed sonically compared to the old space that you had? Is there any any marked improvement? It's just or a little.
0: Yeah, uh, it's 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 certainly it's a little more evenly controlled frequency wise. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, definitely I can hear the the difference in the room mics that I have. The room mics are placed maybe let's see, probably like eight or nine feet out from the kit, maybe about chest high. Mm-hmm. I haven't experimented yet too much with like putting them near the floor or, or further away or anything like that. But, um, all in due time. But, um, yeah, you, I mean, just sitting at the drums and, and just hitting a snare drum, you can hear the difference. You know, there's, it's still loud, but not like it was, you know, um, It absorbs the, the, I mean, again, I'm not like an audiologist, so I can't use the right terms for it, but, but, um, you know, when I listen back through the mics, you know, if I record something, it sounds really great. You know, I'm getting good results and that's just right in the box, like without any like, you know, extra EQ or, you know, anything just straight into logic. It, It sounds really good.
1: Well, what interface are you using with your studio?
0: I'm using the Universal Audio Apollo 8P. Okay. Uh, It's an 8-channel. And then, um, so that was my more recent upgrade. I think I got that maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And before that, I started out with a Focusrite Sapphire Co-40. I forget the number, but it's also 8 channels. So I have a total of 16 channels I'm running simultaneously, I got the Apollo. It was a huge upgrade. I could, I just, it was like night and day. It was just like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what
1: I've got the quad. Uh, so I've got four pre's. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Four active pre's. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then another eight channel um, light piped through that, through another. Uh, yes. So I've, I can run 12 channels, but, um, but the Apollo, it's, it's, it's beyond me, how it works, uh, and I'm learning all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, we all, I mean, it, this is such a, a lifelong endeavor. It really is. I mean, yeah. being an engineer, I mean, people go to school for this and, and spend their whole lives doing this, you know, learning. It's, it's you know, it's, it's for me, it's secondary to playing the drums, obviously, but... A, a, definitely a necessary thing um, in today's musical environment. And mm-hmm. it, I think, I mean, if you're, you're really falling behind the A ball, if you're not doing this already, you know, because it's, it's everywhere now.
1: Even like 12, 15 years ago, I remember Tommy Igo said, if you're not recording yourself practicing at gigs, you have the technology, yep. you should be doing it and listening back. Yeah. You know,
0: oh, you learn so much about your playing, oh my gosh,
1: brutal, it's brutal, you know, it's, brutal.
0: <laughs> it, it's yes, yes, it certainly can be uh. Uh, um, but it's the quickest way to learn, especially if you can take video, because then you're like, you can see posture, you can see all mm-hmm. kinds of bad habits developed, you know. You've got some um, good
1: posture, Brian. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been watching oh, your videos. I mean, I've been I watching your videos it. off and on a lot for a long time, but Thank but you, more man. recently in preparation for our talk today. And that's one of the things I'm trying to improve to help any any physical things I'm struggling with now is really pay attention because I slouch like... Nobody's
0: yeah, business. a lot of us do, and I'm guilty of that very much. So, um, but it's it's been sort of a just something that I, I work on daily. I used to have a mirror next to my drums just to like yeah that really is the best way. You get that 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 real time feedback. Yep. when you look in the mirror and you go, oh, I'm slouching. Oh, I need to sit up. Okay, yep. shoulders back. Okay, you know, yeah. Um, that can really help. Is just setting up a mirror. Uh, of course, you don't really want a mirror next to your drums if you're recording because that's like super reflective. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's a battle, you know, and I mean, it helps to stay fit. It helps to keep a, a strong core. So, you know, do your sit ups, do your, you know, do your exercises, stretches. Yeah. You know, I like to go to the gym and, and do light weights because I find that my body feels better. If I do Oh, that. my
1: gosh, yeah. I do a lot of that, yeah, yeah in yoga. And um, I just got one of those TRX bands for Christmas for my family. And mm. that's okay. been a good, like, it's some weight training without being overly intense. There's stretching. It's a, yeah. it's a nice, really, like, when I'm done, I'm not exhausted, but I feel good and I feel strong.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be lifting weights and, like, blow your arms out or something.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, unless that's your unless that's your jam. Uh, so maybe. Uh, you grew mm-hmm. up uh, in upstate New York, is that correct?
0: That's right. Yes.
1: And um, studied with Gordon Stout at Ithaca yes. College.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, You've done your homework. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, uh, your B positive uh, blood type. Um, <laughs> you're due for a checkup. That back molar. Is uh, starting yeah, to corrode a little bit.
0: Like long walks on the beach. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You
1: love stuffed animal parades. That was a weird one, but hey, everyone's got their thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm curious to know uh, kind of what your takeaway was from your time at Ithaca College and 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 New York and why Las Vegas. Mm. Um, and, and, and kind of what were some necessary skills in New York and, and in Las Vegas that were unique to those places. How
0: much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I know it's a lot. Uh, It's a lot. um, And as I think back to it, it seems it's like a lifetime ago. It seems like, you know, I mean, some of it anyway, but, um, yeah, so Ithaca College, um, and sort of ended up there. Um, I had applied to a couple other schools, but got in musically, but didn't get in academically. I wasn't the greatest student with the GPA and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to get into Ithaca college, studied with Gordon Stout, as you mentioned. And for anyone that doesn't know, Gordon Stout is a world renowned marimbist It's primarily what he's known for. He's virtuosic on the marimba playing four mallets and the whole thing. Um, which I was at the time I was getting into a bit through lessons, private lessons through high school and stuff, um, and so uh, studied with him and learned to play the marimba at a at a pretty decent level. I always felt like I was sort of the drum set player learning to play the marimba, if you yeah. catch my drift. Like yeah. cause, you know, because I drum set was just always my thing, just always that's all I ever really wanted to do technically, you know, um, but being in the orchestras and playing all the different mallet mal- instruments and timpani and all of that. I mean, I felt like it was just giving me a really well-rounded musical education, right? I mean, lessons with Gordon, would he talk to you about phrasing and, you know, how to interpret, you know, a piece and, and a melody and, you know there was just so much it was just very deep you know and just all centered around music making music um, so what I, I would do is my lessons with him is I would try to apply that to the drum kit
1: of course you know? okay. Yeah.
0: phrasing how do I how do I play this fill this descending tom fill do I make it go louder as I go down or you know things like that and and it, i think it was it was wonderful um, it was a wonderful time spent there um, after i got out of school you know i did cruise ships a couple of years and did the whole production show you know uh, kind of traveled the world and uh, i think that was really important for me to come out of my shell a little bit because i was so introverted mm-hmm. especially through college i was just a you know i was afraid to talk to anybody you know I was just spent all my time in a practice room and unless you played the drums also we you know we didn't have much in common mm-hmm. you know um so so those those couple of years on the cruise ship really brought me out of my shell I, I learned how to you know meet people and be constantly thrown into a new environment where you don't know anybody and you have to just you know make your way through that um as well as seeing the world cuz i hadn't really traveled much like ever before then so just you know being out at sea and going to all you know every caribbean island you could think of and mexico and alaska and hawaii and then eventually europe and you know it was really uh really broadened my my scope as far as like just having a world view on things
1: it's so important um, man so great
0: yeah yeah, it really was great. I, I, I cherish those years, you know, and, and I ended up meeting my wife on the, on the last ship that she and I worked on. Nice. So Even better. That's very great. much life changing. Yeah. Um, so then she and I moved to New York City. And yeah, I was just freelancing around the city and just trying to find any gig that I could do, really. I mean, I was I was mainly looking for like wedding band type work. Um, because those, that paid the bills, you know, and it was consistent as, as it could be, you know, this was like, it was a little bit bad timing cause it was like post nine 11. And so the whole city was kind of like, like what has just happened, you know? And a lot of the hotel gigs had, had vanished. So there wasn't much in terms of like, you know, steady work, but the wedding band thing was still a thing, a viable option. Eventually, um, I had a friend that I went to school with, that I knew from like high school even, who um, was making waves in the jazz and cabaret world. And he got signed to Telarc Records. His name is Tony DeSerre and he plays piano and sings and writes. Um, and so he, like I said, he was signed to Telarc, and we did three. He did three albums, which I, I was fortunate enough to play on all three. And we toured pretty much every major jazz club in America, I want to say. And then even made our way overseas. We played, uh, blue note, Tokyo. Oh, cool. And Yokohama at, at motion blue. And then we did, um, let's see, we did this, uh, we did a week in Adelaide, Australia. That was pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, it was a lot of fun playing with him. I learned a ton. at got to, the, the records that we were, recorded we're at uh avatar in new york the old power station okay and you know we're all i mean it was like it was an education and i was so green and (laughs) i was just trying to take everything in you know i remember taking pictures and just looking at microphones and where they're placed and i just took pictures of everything while i was there and this is like before the iphone you know so um you know, you had to bring a camera with you kind of thing <laughs> is my point. Um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, and it was, it was just a, a huge education, you know? It, um, yeah, let's see here. So at the simultaneously while I was working with Tony, I was working with a singer named Dominic Allen, who had a show, a headliner show on cruise ships of all things. Cause I, After leaving cruise ships, I was like, I'll never work on another cruise ship
1: again. Like
0: like one of the first calls I get is to sub for this other drummer for the show and on a cruise ship. So, yeah, okay. So I started doing that and eventually landed the gig. And he and I would go out, I don't know, like once every six weeks or so for about a week and do the show on the ships.
1: What cruise line was this?
0: This was with Royal Caribbean. Okay. So, and, and he had this part of a show that was like super drummer, um, like it featured the drummer. There was a part in the show where like, there was a sing, 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 mm-hmm. um, song. We, we played the song sing, 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 because he played the clarinet and, um, among many other instruments, but during this part of the show, he would play clarinet and we would do this big sing, sing, sing feature and have the drummer come out from behind the drums and go front to the front edge of the stage playing on the floor playing on anything that's like around
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) and um it was a big feature and you know i worked with this guy for geez 10 years um maybe 12 years or so doing doing this bit you know it would always go over really well um and at first i mean i was just so nervous about you know leaving my comfort zone behind the kit but um he did teach me and certain things about like staging and blocking and okay, do this, you know, stand here, that kind of thing. And eventually, I worked up a routine where I—I I don't know. Have you ever seen the Steve Smith video where he does like it's called Mister Hi Hat? And I know it's it's based out of Max Roach, yeah. But he does all these tricks on the hi hat, with yes. bouncing the stick and twirling it between his fingers and all these things. I so saw him, I saw him ripped do it that live, off.
1: yeah, actually in Columbus. Okay.
0: <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I used to do that at, like, at the front of the stage on the cruise ship,
1: awesome. and
0: it would just kill. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would steal the show. I mean, I, I say with all modesty, you yeah, know? No, no.
1: Um, so, so, Brian, I, I, the, one of the bands that I worked with here in Nashville, we started to do Royal Caribbean cruises as headlining acts. Ah. And okay. we did it—I mean, I, I was on and off cruise ships with Ro, mostly Royal Caribbean— uh for like three years and i heard about this show and they're like oh my gosh yeah they said and 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 i don't remember who if the if your name was mentioned but they're like no the drummer would come out and play on the monitors and on the floor and uh, and all yep. this stuff and like have you guys ever thought about that because we were a self-contained unit um yes. but no i yeah it, it, i've i've heard of this <laughs>
0: wow Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that was me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, dude, cruise ships is interesting, man. I mean, you really do see a lot um, of the world. There's there's the whole social aspect of it that you learn so much about yourself. And, I mean, we were, you know how it is. When you were working on the cruise ship, there's that aspect of it. You are a contract worker. And then when you're working as a headliner act, it's a a bit of an upgrade, you know. Um, Certainly
0: was having my own cabin i guess guest status you know no name tags no uniform i could i was basically a passenger on the ship i could go anywhere i wanted to but i also had the added benefit of going in the crew areas too i know so i I can go anywhere it was great you know
1: yeah yeah
0: um i really i really enjoyed it for for quite a while um Well, and so, um, this singer that I, the, the, the headliner singer, he was based in Vegas. And so he had convinced me to move on to New York and to come to Vegas and mm-hmm. check out the scene there. Cause I never, never been. And he said, man, there's so much work here. You're going to be working like crazy. You know? So my wife and I went out and checked it out. We loved it. Of course, it's like sunshine every day and it's warm. And you know, for the same amount of money we were paying for a one bedroom in Queens, we could get like a, a three bedroom castle. It seemed like, oh, you know? Yeah. Right. So it just, it was kind of a no brainer. We had both turned about 30 years old around that time. We were thinking, oh, maybe, you know, if we want to have a family, like, I don't know how that's going to happen in New York. So it just made sense. So we moved. And then that was in Vegas, you know? So I spent eight years in Vegas and worked my way into the scene, um, both the show scene and the, the lounge band scene, because it's a little bit different. They're two different camps, kind of. Although there, there's there are musicians who who straddle each one, I was one of those. Um, I was just looking for work any way I could. Man, I just wanted to work. I just wanted to play every single day. You know, it had its ups and downs. There was the 2008 crash and things kind of slowed down for a while, and that made it hard. But because um, I was brand new at that point, but uh, eventually things picked up again, and um, I played in all sorts of bands. I mean, I had. You know, there was a Rat Pack show I used to sub in. Yeah. And you know, I used to sub on the Jersey Boys show. Um, and then eventually I got my own show and did that for a year, five nights a week. Um, you know, and so, and all the while just playing lounges, cover bands, anything I could. I, I developed my own jazz trio. And then eventually uh, sort of a collaboration started with a friend of mine who plays trumpet um, and we started, a, like, a Miles Davis tribute.
1: That started in, yeah. is it the same thing you're doing now, but that started in Vegas?
0: It did, yes. I mean, it's not the same mm-hmm. in that the one I have now, which is called Milestones, mm-hmm. um, I run it myself. It's not a collaboration anymore. I oh. see. Um, since I moved away, and, you know, um, and I do all the, the arrangements. and I mean, I basically do all the the, the heavy lifting for that that ensemble um, can't wait to play again. <laughs> um, but that's besides the point. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, my point in bringing that up is just that like I was able to I mean, I had my own cover band, which I called back attack. So I was booking my own band around town, like whenever I had openings in my calendar mm-hmm. and I had full control over it for the set list and you know it was nice so uh, you know i was able to lead a bunch of bands and co-lead and um did experience doing that for a while i was even contracting uh for the tropicana like hiring for uh, different like duos and ensembles small ensembles for uh they had sort of like a happy hour set in one of the lounges so um it was great Nice. really great
1: and do you like doing wow. the band leading and having that control
0: sometimes I mean it depends what it is you know it's not something I want to do all the time yeah um certainly I've been I've been bred as more of a sideman session man you know type of musician but just through experience and sometimes just out of sheer wanting to play a with certain musicians or a certain style in a certain way then then it makes sense to create your own thing and i also i should add that when you create your own band like this whatever it is i think it helps to set you apart from you know the rest of everybody who's doing what you do in in what way Well, I mean, I have a Miles Davis tribute here's a drummer leading a Miles Davis tribute, you know, Mm -hmm. like where, where I'm transcribing all the tunes off the records that that we all know and love. I mean, who else is doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially in Nashville, right? especially in Nashville or really almost anywhere. I mean, maybe not outside of, you know, certain jazz hubs, New York and LA, but I mean, I don't know. There's not too much of that going around. I think, you know, and it's not because I don't do it. That's not the reason why I do it, but I I just think that that's a, at a benefit, you know, to, to help set yourself apart, especially when you're new to a town. Like, I mean, I'm still, I still consider myself new to Nashville. I've lived here five years now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so how do you how do you set yourself apart from all the other drummers that have moved here and some of which have lived here twenty five thirty years you know yeah. how do you yeah you know that's a thing um,
1: no I think it's re- it's a it's so, a really like it, like great, it or not it's a really great thing I mean it, it gives you I mean there is the added responsibility of having to organize and put all that stuff together, but you really do oh, yeah. have a certain Amount of control of the situation to really present yourself in the best light and work with the people yeah. that you want to work with. That's right, and, and
0: yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's ultra important, you know, and and it gives you a sense of pride, you know. When when you have a you have a great show at the end of the night, you feel great. You know, people mm-hmm. came out and they supported us and they loved it, and the club owner's happy, and you're you know, hey, look at this, I got something here.
1: It's yours, right. I hear you man right.
0: I hear you that's great and where, where else are you going to play a whole collection of Miles Davis tunes like in the style of Miles Davis like that's just mm-hmm. you know I mean I don't know about you but like or anyone else for that matter but like you know I, I'm a jazz drummer um, it's not the only thing I do but it's just one aspect of my playing and I, I like to to exercise those muscles once in a while
1: Yeah. Yeah. And these days, if you don't have a band to do it with, it's, it's such an interactive style and it's so, you know, there's Mm -hmm. so many aspects of it that if you want to get good at it in the practice room, you're very limited (laughs) because it involves, it's, it's a listening, it's interactive, it's improvisational. Um, Yeah.
0: Yes, and it's definitely an in the moment kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and in front of an audience, it takes on a whole new level, you know. Right, or, right. or if you're recording, same yeah. thing, you know.
1: Yeah. So does streaking and other activities <laughs> with an audience? It, I would not know. It's amazing, it changes the whole dynamic. Well, let me ask you. Um. So so why Nashville? So you, things were going well in Vegas.
0: Yeah. Good question. Um. So, like I said, I lived there about eight years total um i mean if you had asked me a month before i moved to nashville am i moving to nashville i would have told you you're crazy (laughs) that's how sort of quickly it transpired but um uh towards the end of my residency in in vegas um i was asked to play with a show that's a tribute to a, a james taylor carol king tribute uh yeah. through a contractor that i had worked with before and sort of the the owners of the show if you will are a couple from nashville um and so we started rehearsals for the show we had a couple of shows booked around vegas like a couple of casinos and different things and none of us I mean, I, apart from me knowing the contractor, I, I didn't know anybody else that was involved. Um, so we we started rehearsals and we went on a break and, um, I mean, I'm, I should, I should, I should fill you in with this little bit of backstory. Like I'm a huge James Taylor fan oh, and always I have been. Too. So I love his music. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like so much so that like my son's name is Taylor.
1: Oh, okay. That's awesome.
0: That, that, that should tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I was super aware and like, uh, you know, like a bit, just a big fan of his music, both, you know, from the recordings and some of the live, especially that one live disc that it's like a double disc.
1: Oh my gosh, And so
0: man. when we were, we were, we were rehearsing, you know, and everything was charted out, but, you know, we came across something musically that was like, well, what should we do here? How, how does this song end? And, and, you know, like I would raise my hand and just be like, well, do we want to end it like the record or do we want to end it like the live version? (laughs) And and everyone's looking at me like, who is this guy? Like, you know, he knows all these different versions of the Mm -hmm. songs. Yeah. Um, and so we went on break and, uh, Kirstie Manna, who is, um, she, she was playing the Carol King role in the show. Uh, and she's, the wife of Bill Warner producer. So they're they're the couple that live in Nashville. And as I said, I, I, I had just met them that afternoon, but we're on break and she's asking me like about Vegas and different things. She's like, um, you know, so I just get this really good vibe from you. Like, I feel like you would really do well in Nashville. (laughs) And, at the time, I mean, I was just looking to get out of Vegas because I was just like, I was, was kind of done with it. I was just like, I've, I've done the show thing. I don't see, I just, I didn't see a future there anymore. Mm. I was like looking ahead 10 years, just going, what else is there to do here? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and so when she said that to me, it just blew my mind apart. Like, I was just like, what? Nashville? I never even considered Nashville because I'd never even been to nashville up to that point mm-hmm. and all i knew of it was like country music it's like yeah, right and, and and i told her i was like is it just country or like like i don't know if i would fit in there you know because i'm not like mr country drummer per se um and she, she was like no she was like there's all kinds of stuff going on and it's it's blowing up and you know you you really should check it out so i went home that night and i told my wife and i said what do you think about moving to Nashville? And she was all for it. She was like, yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So awesome of her.
0: You know, yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, certain there a lot of other things at play, too. I mean, my son was was at the age where he was going to just start going to school. And the schools in Vegas were very crap, the public schools. Yeah. So that was weighing on our minds about like what do we do about this? You know, she, my wife at the time was the regional director at Caesar's Entertainment, <laughs> so she was like climbing this big ladder, and she, ultimately she applied for a job at Opryland and got the job. and And Opryland, which is owned by Marriott, um, they they moved us. They made oh, the whole move. There you go. It was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. So like I just knew like. You know, I'd never been to Nashville, but I just knew that it was the right move because all arrows were pointing in that direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very much. It's, it just made a lot of sense. You know, so I just, it's, it's you know, i and I'm so glad. I love it here. I love it here. That's oh, great. I'm so glad we moved. Yeah, and we're, we're all thriving. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and your your the group uh, milestones. You've
0: kind mm-hmm. of re yeah I saw. of retooled it and brought it here yes yeah it took me a few years to get settled in and then you know and then there's you know with the with the opening of rudy's jazz room which is you know a super awesome space to perform in if you're a jazz player of any kind um that gave us a place to play it's been great i'm so glad to have that
1: that i know you is um there's an organization that does uh the 12 south band and um, yes there was an offshoot of that that was nash county it was like the country version yeah so yes i'm working, aware of that yeah yeah so i was one of the guys that was was working with them and mm-hmm. and then got to know you i think we connected on social media and stuff like that but that's a, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's as far a field from milestones as you can get. But with the production shows that you've done and being able to, like, work on charts and run tracks and, you know, kind of bridge the gap between the very traditional world in in which, you know, it's like you have a, a, a strong grip on being able to pull from traditional styles and all these other things. And yet, have your foot in the heavily produced world, and that you've done, you know, Mannheim Steamroller and you know some of these other yes. Vegas shows that required those kinds of things. And you come to Nashville, and I imagine a band, if you could describe what what South is like, uh, is probably a, a light load <laughs> for you.
3: <laughs> well,
0: I would. I, I mean, I don't. I don't look at it that way at all. Um, you know, I take all of my gigs equally seriously, no yeah. matter what gig I'm on. Um, and, and not not to say that you you made it sound like that, that, but just I wanted to be clear on that. Oh, um, for sure. And I, when I
1: say light load, I mean, as in, like, e- this is nothing new. Like, it, it has its challenges inherently, but um, yes. it's not a surprise. Like, okay, I've got to start and write this song, you know. Right.
0: Well, and so, I mean... Just briefly, if I describe the 12 South situation, it's a 12 piece band and it's a it's very much a corporate dance band, a party Mm -hmm. band, if you will. Um, They play weddings and corporate parties and any kind of event that, you you, you know, you might have. Um, And much of the show is blocked out in these um, blocks of song that are sort of so, it sort of works like DJ style where each song blends into the next song which blends into the next song without stopping yeah um, so there are literally these blocks of songs that are like 20 25 minutes right that's long each but you're only doing like a verse and a chorus of each song so it moves very quickly in so what what ends up happening is as a drummer you need to be able to switch directions on a dime and move with the click when the, you know, as, as each song changes, uh, different feels. maybe one's a shuffle, maybe one's a four on the floor, maybe one's more of a rock thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so you're sort of following the bouncing ball a little bit. And I found that again, it's just thing where it's like, if you do your homework, you're going to be okay. You know, as long as you can play, I mean, obviously <laughs> there's that, you know, aspect of it. It's just a matter of like, you know, yeah, you have to be familiar with all these styles, you know. I mean, I've had to learn how to play a trap beat, <laughs> you know, like, which is kind of a new thing for me, you know. Um, but uh, if you know your styles, you know, and you do your homework, so in other words, prepare the medleys ahead of time. Yeah. And as the drummer, Again, there's that iPad thing. Like I, I put my charts on my iPad and it's super inconspicuous. It's down below my hi-hat. Nobody yeah. even knows it's there. Right. So I've got, my, I've got my list of notes there. Whatever I need to know, it's, it, it's in me. So I know what's happening next.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's, that's part of, you know, playing a production show. You, you need to know what's coming next. You don't, don't be surprised by anything. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, I didn't know that the tune was going to change right there. Like, no, nope, too late. You blew it. You know, oh, yeah. you blew that transition. It's all about the transitions and making it smooth and seamless. And, and and so what happens is that makes it easier for the other musicians to play. And that's the compliment I get a lot from guys who work in that group is you make it so easy, Ryan. That's great. You make great. it just easy, easy to play. And that's like the best compliment ever because it's not about who cares about chop. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not here to show off. I'm here about, you know, I want to make it feel good. I want to make, you know, I mean, it's a dance band. You want people to dance.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's all about like just doing your homework and knowing what's coming next. And, uh, you know, just being versatile, you know, and then, and then there's, there is some live stuff that we do. You know, it's not all click. So you, there is that element too. You have to be, You have to know those songs and know those tempos too, you know. And well, if you're a true wedding band,
1: if you're a true, you know, if if one of the one of the gigs, the types of gigs that a band like this does is weddings, then you do have to be flexible and like, hey guys, guess what? The bride just decided they want you to play for the dinner set. So you know, wasn't it wasn't in the original plan? And then it's like, okay, who knows some ballads? Who knows something that we can play while they're eating dinner? so
0: (laughs) that's it we're not that's it yeah can you play brushes yeah
1: we're not playing black-eyed peas while they're eating uh (laughs) right (laughs) it'd be amazing though i'd like to see that though um yeah and there's a there's a great video of of you playing with your in-ear mix and the sound Mm -hmm. and you know i I think a lot of us have done this before, where you've got these production tracks and there's someone talking, you know, in there. Like, yeah. Okay. Here's the voice this, of God. Here's this next song, <laughs> and it's coming in one, two, yes. three, four. Ooh, yes. Counts you in. That that ultra I mean, helpful. Ooh, helpful. yeah. Very helpful. That's 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 mm. new technology right there. I mean, I, I say new, but I mean like compared to you know twenty twenty five right. years ago, um, this is yeah. This is part of the gig
0: it's it is it's all part of the the new kind of world that we're living in technology wise i mean yeah we have two talkback mics on stage you know i've got a talkback mic and there's a general there's a band one also so if we need to make changes on the fly we can communicate that way and we're not like yelling across the stage, you know, yeah. it's just, it looks better and it's just way better. Cause everyone's on in-ears. So,
1: right. Right. You got to keep it together. Matt. Oh,
0: you yeah. got it. Yeah. You're you you the foundation keep your head together. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know? And so, you know, I'll default to the music and then I'll have to be like, what did she say? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody give me a heads Cause up. I didn't hear a word, you know? Mm. Yeah. I heard her talking, but I, none of it registered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, um, <laughs> One of the last things I wanted to ask you about is um, there's a there's a whole list of things, uh, and on your website you have a list of things that you that you uh, 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 services that you offer. You know, f- obviously, you know, drumming, but but there's also teaching, uh, you know, arranging, mm-hmm. recording, you know, mm-hmm. band leading, so many different things. And you you at the beginning of our talk, man, you you brought up something that that comes up often, but probably not often enough is this idea of uh, diversifying your workload, and this is just this is the way it works, and and especially in the 21st century, you know, you really have to diversify. Yeah. And um, but I think a lot of us consider ourselves, you know, like yeah, I teach a little bit, or I offer lessons, and I've done that a little bit. But I mean, do you see yourself as more of an? And this is a small distinction, but as an educator. And offering Mm. your services as an educator.
0: I mean. I would say. The real honest answer to that is no. But. Because I've always thought of myself as a performance drummer. And that's kind of how I've always wanted to think of myself as. Mm -hmm. Um, With that though. You know. I do like teaching. In certain. (laughs) Depends on the situation. Like I'm kind of done teaching. Beginners. (laughs) Um, I just, I just, I I don't want to do that anymore. It's just not something, you know, and if you're not honest about it, you know, that's not good.
1: But the student suffers.
0: That's it. And I just don't want to show how I hold the sticks anymore. And this is how you play a doubles. And like, it's just not, I just don't feel like thinking about that anymore. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough where I, where I can make that choice, you know? Yeah. Um, just financially, you know, I I can turn that kind of thing down. But, um, what I want to say is that, you know, I like to give back. Like I've been taught by so many teachers and so many, I've just learned so much along the way, um, and continue to learn, of course. But, um, you know, I feel like I want to give back on some of this, some of the knowledge that I've picked up, some of the wisdom that I've picked up along the way, you know, I have a pretty extensive jazz background. So that right there, that sets me apart from the normal, I call it, you know, the normal quote unquote, the, you know, the kind of rock and pop player, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, just the ability to swing or to read music or like you say, to play with a click in a big production show. Yeah um i like i like the feeling of giving that and putting that out to the universe to whoever wants to listen you know i don't know i just i guess maybe the answer the real answer to your question is as i get older and older i yeah i start to think of myself more with more as an educator Mm
1: -hmm. the older
0: i get um and i'm not like old but like i'm not young either
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so you know um maybe that's something that will just keep heading in that direction. I don't know. But, and then you mentioned the, the whole diversifying income. I mean, I think that's a big one because it's about how the music industry has been decimated by the internet and streaming and nobody buys music anymore. And all of that is true for the most part. So, you know, there are no more big budgets, hardly at all. And, a lot of the opportunities that once existed like in the nineties and before aren't there anymore. So what's somebody like me to do? You know, I grew up with the dream of (laughs) that, that there was music in the industry or that was, that there was a money in the industry, I should say. Mm. Um, You know, in the moment I came into adulthood, that that was that change, right? The internet and, you know, the whole game changed, right. Digital recording, home recording, all of that, you know, I mean, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been taking audio courses, oh, learning gosh, how to yeah. use, you know, pro tools and all these things, you know, it's like, but none of that was a thing when I was studying in school.
1: But, but, but Brian, I, I feel like though, it, it still comes down to the player. I mean, it,
0: well, sure. I mean, you gotta you got know how to play. Right. I mean, what good is knowing how to record if you can't play it?
1: Right. And that, to me, I mean, we're talking about art. We're talking about a skill that takes time and hours and hours, and not that in learning to engineer, but technology moves at such a rapid pace that if you would have studied engineering, a lot of those principles still hold true today, but... How, what percentage of what you would learn have learned 20 years ago apply to today? Uh, where what you learned 20, 30, 50, 60 years ago on the drums is still, still applicable very much. I'm not yeah. saying that you're yes. 60, I'm saying, <laughs> but you no, know, no. my point is, yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, no, I is, get your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah those it, it's, I, I, I get it, man. And— yeah, I I wish I would have spent more time paying attention in the studios during you know quote unquote real sessions, um, mic placement and 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 becoming more familiar, you know, but but we but you never know. But I think uh, being open, being a consummate student uh, is, as you know, it's like no matter what the future holds, you will adapt. You will you can turn on a dime. And make those things happen. That's it. You know.
0: And, well, and you, you need to, you yeah. know. I mean, if you're going to survive, because things are changing, like you said, you know.
1: And it's the only constant, is change.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you're just trying to stay relevant is is really, you know, the name of the game in many ways, especially as you get older, you know.
1: But, but um, I want to be clear, though. It's not about necessarily compromise, because... Uh, although you've adapted and you've diversified, you've come to Nashville and, you know, Nashville's the jazz scene. I, I grew up playing a lot of jazz and I worked in a big band for a couple years out of college and I loved it. And But my strengths were in pop music and I've gotten away from playing jazz and Nashville didn't have the jazz scene that Columbus had, but it's... It's coming back, and I and it's interesting about the same time that you moved here yeah. that, you know, Skulls opened up. There's, I mean, there's all these different places that I'm like, wow.
0: Oh, man. I tell you what, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here. When I was moving to Nashville, and again, I hadn't ever been here before, so I'm moving to Nashville, and I was ready to hand in my jazz card. I, I was ready to be like, I am never going to play a jazz gig again. <laughs> moving to nashville and I, I fully expected that yeah and i was okay with that like I, that was cool with me i was like okay this is you know just another change in in the scene and i'm you know i'm gonna be a different kind of a player yeah but then something happened and like i started getting calls to play jazz yeah. it was like whoa what's going on here and it's funny enough now i play more jazz than i did living in new york city
1: that's that's crazy
0: it's bizarre man it's i never would have expected that
1: Thank you so much uh, for for doing this. and My pleasure. And opening up, man, and sharing sharing your process.
0: It's, it's an absolute pleasure, and um, thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan, as I said. So, um, you know, you guys are doing something really cool here, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, now. man.
1: Well, well, thank you so much. And, and, and so much of, of what you do, I know a, a lot of listeners... Who, We'll appreciate your approach and, um, and benefit from this and man. And, and as far as the Nashville community, we're glad you're here. And, uh, when things get back to normal, we'll have to connect at some point.
0: I would love that very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Brian, have a great rest of your day. And,
0: uh, you too, Matt. I'll be back soon. Okay. Hey, look forward to it. All right, man. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: So there you have it, my conversation with Brian Zach. Brian, thank you so much for your time. I had in my notes to mention uh, kind of a funny thing. I was playing a gig in Canada. Obviously, this was a couple years ago uh, with a great artist, Michelle Wright. And the backline kit was a dream backline kit. It was this 1970s rosewood Gretsch kit and of course i had to take a ton of pictures of it and share it and it's looked beautiful it sounded amazing and i posted it and of course brian said oh i know what theater you're in i've played that uh, it was part of a uh, traveling wilburys tribute that he was involved in and got a chance to play that kit too that is an example of the drumming community and how we cross paths even before we get a chance to meet each other so so it was It was nice to get to know Brian a little bit better through the podcast. And hopefully when things get back to normal, I can start laying my eyes on some of these people that I've been interviewing this last year. And I hope you all are staying safe. Tune in next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Jay, Jay Zone Mumford, a New York City drummer, DJ, and producer. But for now, like I said, everyone, please stay safe. Thanks for listening and hope to see you around real soon. Bye-bye.